The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. Welcome to the Ebony's and the Ivory podcast. This is one of your hosts, Dr. Lakeitha Poole, um, and I'm super excited for us to kick off this podcast, and I have my co-host and co-founder with me. Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Desjuan Jackson-Bell. Um, we're so happy that you tune in to listen to our first podcast uh, for Ebony's and the Ivory. I know that... Um, we kind of talked about our introduction and um, we just touched on a few points on Lakita's um, personal podcast with her um, practice, but we're excited to be here today with y'all on the Ebony's in the Ivory podcast. So we're going to jump right in, but of course, before we get started, make sure that if this is um, a podcast that you plan to make a part of your, your bi-weekly routine, which we hope you will, um, that you subscribe so that's on SoundCloud or iTunes or both and then make sure you follow and like us on all of our social media platforms which includes Instagram Facebook and Twitter Instagram and Facebook is at Ebony's in the Ivory um, and Twitter is Ebbs in the Ivory so make sure that you have checked that out today as well as our very super cool website which many of you all have already Um, been checking out our blog posts and things like that which we're going to talk about later but if you haven't already make sure you also go to www.ebonysintheivory.com and subscribe there as well to get newsletters and updates from us as we release more and more information so today we want to talk about kind of what ebony's in the ivory is um basically we created ebony's in the ivory Um, to be an empowerment and a lifestyle brand. Um, And we're aiming to support women of color uh, prior to, during, and beyond the doctoral process. Our mission is that we want to challenge and dispel myths that the educational experiences and the narratives of women of color um, and that they are not valuable in the realm of higher education, um, which has resulted in what we found to be very much so lacking in literature or representation. Um, And we want to seek to validate and champion women of color by providing a platform um, where their experiences are acknowledged and their stories are told and heard, um, including through the publishing of scholarly research. So we do have some 
we have one article in the queue right now. We're working on some um, ideas for other t- um, research topics as well. If you have any suggestions that you want to throw our way, well, we would definitely <laughs> appreciate any um, any advice that you can give us as far as what you would like to see be researched on um, as far as women of color in higher education. Um, and then lastly, we want to foster engagement through various mediums um so that includes like our website blogs networks um professional development opportunities um and just anything that i guess touches on the unique and intersectional experiences as it relates to women of color in higher education um so yeah that's pretty much our mission and our purpose do you want to add anything to that dr pool I think you did a great job of telling folks what it's about. We're super excited about just being able to make this um, as much of you all's passion project as it is ours. And we just think that it's a really cool opportunity for women of color to be able to connect and, you know, was birthed out of two other women of color ourselves having um, experiences in the doctoral process as well as, you know, just working in higher ed and having experiences that we I think individually sometimes thought were unique to us and once we collaborated and started to talk more with each other about these experiences and open those conversations up we realized that our experiences weren't as unique as we thought or weren't as isolated as we thought and so you know for us it just gave us an opportunity to be able to share with one another and realize that we wanted to do that for other women. So we took that idea. We literally, if you guys listen to the other podcasts where we've kind of talked about this, we were sitting at the airport and came up with this great idea because that's what kind of happens when you're stuck at the airport for four hours. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, what's come out of it has been probably more than we can already imagine and we're just getting started. So we hope that you'll be engaged, be involved. Like Dr. Bell said, make sure you send us things that you feel like you need to support you, whether you're in the process or you're thinking about the process of earning a PhD, we want to be there for you. Um, so please just let us know how you'd like to engage with Ebony's and Ivory. Okay, so we want to talk about um, what to expect in future episodes. We have some segments that we're going to kind of touch on in each episode. They include Culture Corner. So we're going to be talking about what's going on in pop culture, what's going on in higher education, um, some things that um, we may be able to relate to personally and you all may be able to relate to personally. Um, we're also going to kind of do a review of um, our previous podcast episode and our whatever blog um, that we published the week before. And then we're also going to talk about um, or acknowledge, because that's one of um, kind of what we want to seek to do as far as acknowledging women of color who have are celebrating certain milestones in education. Um, we're going to do the Ebony's in the Ivory Spotlight. So Ebony's in the Spotlight where we're going to, you know, shout women out. So please make sure we have a section on our website for you all or someone you know to submit your name to be shouted out on our podcast and we're going to do that um in the ebony's in the ivory excuse me ebony's in the spotlight um segment and then lastly um eiti tuesday so i if you've been on our page this week on our instagram page or um on our facebook page twitter page our website um we're celebrating what we call eiti tuesdays um so 
those are the days that we're going to release content um, in different forms. So please make sure um, that you're engaged with us and that you're following us, especially on EITI Tuesdays. Yeah, so don't forget, put it in your calendar right now. So. Right now? Okay. <laughs> so, this week, we kind of want to give you a sneak peek of how our segments are going to go. So, this week for Culture Corner, we want to talk about, one thing that we want to talk about is the shift in graduation culture. Um, so, I'm sure that you guys have seen in the media um, this kind of... I don't know, to me, it's it's like a shift, like what's appropriate, what's professional, what is decorum at graduation? So specifically, um, the University of Florida, there was an issue um, where some members of a Greek fraternity um, were, you know, doing their ritual, doing whatever hopping or stepping or whatever that they were doing, and someone on the dais... uh, started throwing them off the stage or kind of pushing them off the stage um, because they didn't feel like they should take up that much time to be celebrated. Um, Another instance, which is interesting to me because this happened in Barron's, Louisiana, um, which is where I call home. Um, This actually made like the shade room and all of this at Scotlandville High School um, in Scotlandville, Louisiana. People were dancing at graduation, dancing across the stage, dancing in the aisles, um, and a lot of people have mixed opinions about if that was appropriate or professional. Um, I actually heard that the venue that um, they held graduation has banned them from holding graduation there again because of what happened. And another instance that um, I saw in the media was um, a girl who was kind of escorted off stage because she was talking on stage when she got her degree because she was excited. Um, so, <laughs> so I guess, I mean, you know. You know, you so, celebrate. I mean, if twerking is the way that you celebrate, then, you know, I mean, what can we say? <laughs> so I guess my question is, is should people be allowed to celebrate the way that they want? Um, this is interesting to me because um, I am a member of Delta Sigma Theta, um, the Alpha Theta chapter at LSU. Um, that is the chapter that I um, came through, and um, we take graduation seriously. So we are like deep at graduation. Like we are, we make sure that you know you show up, you support. You know when it's your turn to graduate, when it's the Sora's turn, our chapter members' turn to graduate. You know we all stand up up the pyramids, do our, you know, ooh, ooh, all of that, and I appreciate LSU because they know that this is going to happen, so they adjust accordingly, and they will let you get your stuff done, they let us oop, and then they call the next person, they do a pause, and they do it for all um, fraternities and sororities at LSU, so that is something I appreciate, um, and it's never been, I guess, an issue. Um, I think we have our own culture at LSU where, you know, if we're gonna, we know we're going to be loud. We know we're not going to make a call. We sit very high up in the rafters because we don't want to disturb anybody else's family because we know we're going to be loud. <laughs> so what do you think? I mean, I feel like, you know, that's progressive. But what do you think, like, the pull about just what you've seen as far as, like, nationwide attention on the quorum or behavior at graduations, especially as it pertains to people of color and African Americans. 
I definitely think like a lot of other similar social issues, some of it is just cultural differences around celebration, right? So it's a big deal to graduate. I mean, it's a big deal. So your family, your friends, like you said, sorority, fraternity, brothers and sisters, like you're gonna want to show your support and most people of color we are people of like music and rhythm and (laughs) and so being able to like be you know honest about who we are I think is important and being able to celebrate how you want I think is important now my personal preference around like maybe the twerking uh that that for me was different you know like I just I'm not necessarily sure that that is the best representation of even you obtaining your degree right because what does that kind of signify a celebratory dance a stroll a step you know shouting out like a group that you're a part of I definitely think that that's okay because it lasts for more of a moment and and definitely not something that if recorded you wouldn't care if it gets seen you know it's right whereas like i think the girl twerking on the stage for that day of course that's like all fun and games but when she's like 30 she might be right. like wait why did i you know that's like a permanent thing for her forever so i mean it is interesting because like you know, I love that you said, like, it definitely is a shift because celebrations and bullhorns and all those things have been a part of graduations for forever. At my right, college, right. my college graduation, I went to school in Florida, not University of Florida, just to be clear. Uh, um, but, <laughs> but, you know, you go to school in Florida, uh, the beach and all that stuff is like a part of like culture. There's so beach balls randomly that people, I yes. guess. And they were deflated. They blew them up while once we got to our seats, and then all of a sudden, randomly, you just see beach balls like going across from side to side during the ceremony. Necessary, not really fun, absolutely. So, so you know, in that, in our eyes, that was like the the most fun thing that could have happened during graduation. And of course, our folks who were in sororities and fraternities definitely had their support systems there, um, and their chapters there. And I think that that's wonderful because again, that that was a part of their college experience. And so, I think it's a, I think that's okay. And you definitely just in general should not see people putting their hands on people to escort them off. I think that was probably why, you know, that turned in such a a huge backlash because it was bigger than just the announcer saying, everybody, please make sure that we're giving everyone a chance to be able to hear their family member's name called. So please refrain from more than one minute of or not even a minute but like you know being able to just take a second to do what you got to do celebrate and you know keep going I think that's the difference so you know I, I do think people should be allowed to celebrate the way that they want I think it's more of the question of what is it what's the representation of it what does it mean to that person, particularly, again, years down the line, how will you feel about it? And so, yeah. so I, I think people should do what they want. I, I agree with that in a sense. Like, I feel like universities are going to need to adjust if we're pushing this over diverse and we're pushing this diversity agenda and mm-hmm. that we're accepting of all traditions and cultures and all of that. Then I feel like that you have to adjust in that sense um, to make sure that you really are accepting of different traditions and culture. Now, anybody who knows me know that I take graduation very, 
seriously. Oh my god, y'all, um, so ser- like too serious. It's kind of it crazy. is my favorite thing ever, which is why I have graduated so many times. And if I could do it again, <laughs> I would do it like three more times because I love commitment. Oh um, I love pomp and circumstance, and I love the pomp and circumstance of graduation. Um, so I do feel as if. People should be able to celebrate. I think we also have to be, I guess, cognizant of everybody else that that are being acknowledged and make sure that, yes, we're doing what's true to us and what's authentic um, to us, but also being accommodating for everybody else. And if we get to the point, like, I don't know, like where we're being a, like a total distraction, even after we've gotten off the stage and all of that, that's where I, I think, like, from what I noticed, at least, like, for instance, with the Scotlandville High graduation, pulling attention away from someone else after you've already, you know, walked across that might be kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of an issue to me. Yeah. Um, And like you said about, like, twerking, like, is that the best way that we want to celebrate on stage? Um, You know, me personally, no. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't want my mom and daddy to see me twerking on stage. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if, if, it, if, if it's you know, if that works for you, um, but like you said, the things that I would, would seek to resurface years later, like, is that something that you would, you would be proud of? But speaking of, like, what you said about, like, the beach ball and stuff, I think graduations should be fun. Like I said, I am very traditional. I like it, but I do like to see, like, I know Southern University has the funnest graduation to me. I feel like it's appropriate. I feel like it's professional. But I feel like they have so much fun, or at least the mm-hmm. ones that I've seen in the past, like they do the beach balls and like whatever department is coming up. Like I know teachers will throw up. I've seen teachers like the people who are getting a degree in education, they're throwing up like papers and pencils mm-hmm. and like those in like engineering are throwing up money because they're not about to make money, you know, and they have a, like a beach ball going. And I feel like it's fun and it's celebratory, you know, because like you said, like we're passionate people. And that's an HBCU. So I feel like people should be able to be authentic and genuine, um, whether they're at an HBCU or a PWI. And I think that that shift needs to be. That's something that I feel like institutions of higher education need to talk about and they need to have policy on before commencement happens so as to not have that University of Florida situation happen because that was that was too much yeah i agree with you completely graduation should be fun it should be celebratory and i think your point of you know if more predominantly white institutions are gonna be diversifying you know their campus community then you have to have an understanding for that and when you were talking about southern's graduation i thought about the times that i got to attend graduations at famu so i went to florida Uh state um but in tallahassee we have you know we're fortunate to have a really big hbcu there and you know uh-huh. getting to go to fam's graduation it was the same thing you felt like it was like a family celebration reunion. and reunion yeah. no matter which college you were graduating from or whatever it was just really awesome so um i agree i think you know pwis have to step it up in their level of like cultural competency to understand but i also think you know some responsibility falls on the graduate to yes. think about how you want to be represented Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's the first, I guess, kind of portion of our culture corner. Our next kind of portion is that we want to take the time to honor Kate Spade. I know that we've all, 
you know, through the media or, or whatever venue heard that, you know, she did pass away. I believe it was on yesterday. And they they have ruled it as a death by suicide. So we just kind of want to talk about the icon that is Kate Spade and pay homage. But I guess also talk about depression and, and suicide awareness because her husband, I know he released a statement saying that she had suffered from depression and anxiety for a long time and she was being treated and you know even though she had been being treated it kind of still you know he had spoken with her the night before and she seemed fine and she left a suicide note and all of those things so we kind of want to discuss that and I know Dr. Poole on your um, Mm -hmm. on the Emerald Couches podcast you talked last week about grief and loss so just to get your thoughts about this untimely situation that has happened in reference to Kate Spade yeah definitely a tragedy a tragedy but also you know an opportunity I guess to highlight mental health again and people don't always know what folks are going through a lot of times we look on the outside and we see somebody as successful and famous and rich and um, right. We just assume a, a state of happiness when a lot of times people are really suffering. And in this instance, as much popularity and fortune as Kate Spade right. had as a brand and as a, a woman, that really can't cover up when you have sort of internal issues or emotional <laughs> issues. And so I think what has been both good but also disappointing about this situation is that the good part is, of course, more people are talking about mental health and bringing in awareness and making sure that people understand. You just never know what folks are going through and how to be supportive of those family members and friends who experience a loss like that. On the other end, what is disappointing is for those folks that maybe don't understand depression and suicide and they sort of blame and kind of crucify this person that already was in so much pain um you know i always tell people imagine how much pain you literally have to be in mentally to feel like that's your only option Um, their last resort like you feel like there is absolutely nothing else that you can do to change your circumstance and so this is the solution um, and I think if people were a little bit more sensitive and thought of it that way, it would be different. Right. So definitely just for our mental health plug, making sure that, you know, if you yes. are experiencing discomfort, uh, depression, sadness, anything, that it's okay to be able to ask for support and that there's never a time that's not a good time to start. You don't have to feel like, oh, you're beyond a certain point and right. um, no one can help. There's definitely always help and support. So I hope that if you know anybody is listening and they find themselves just going through something emotionally or mentally that you'll seek out support and utilize resources that are available one major resource in particular around this topic is the national suicide prevention hotline whose number is 1-800-273-TALK t-a-l-k which is 8255 so that's 1-800-273-8255 right and I, i've been seeing like just on social media you know, everybody's been saying, you know, everybody check on your strong friend, like check on the friend that you know has gone through or has carried, you know, a lot of weight or a lot of burden. Make sure that you're checking on your friends and your family members and your loved ones because sometimes there there are warning signs. Let me mm-hmm. let me not say that because there always are warning signs, but I feel like sometimes, you know, we can look past that and say, oh, well, you know, I knew something happened in the past where maybe they've gotten over it or they seem to be doing fine you know lately or whatever you like say you never know what 
people are going through, but even for the strong people who are going through, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to seek help. Don't be afraid to reach out and talk to somebody. And if somebody's like reaching out and kind of seeking your help, don't turn them away. Yeah. Like be sure that you're paying attention to warning signs and any, you know, different behavior or anything like that as a friend of someone you know that might be battling depression or anxiety because anything that we can do to prevent that from happening we definitely want to do yeah, so absolutely. and go talk to somebody yeah it's funny because we were we were actually in a group text this morning and we were talking about going to see mental health professionals for minority people and Af- african-american people and why that has not always been something that we engaged in in the past mm-hmm. and I, I i remember saying you know it, it has been a shift as far as like therapy being not as taboo among people of color and among african-americans and i think people are more inclined to seek mental health services now um i think is more widely accepted i don't think it's where it needs to be but i think we're getting there mm-hmm. um and at least awareness and a light is being shined on you know people of color and african americans um in terms of seeking services but if you feel like you need to talk to somebody it doesn't make you quote unquote crazy or anything like that like therapy is invaluable so we want to definitely encourage anybody who needs to speak with somebody definitely to reach out and see a, a unbiased professional it can't hurt it can only help so yeah yeah absolutely so next for our blog and podcast segment this is our first podcast and we don't have anything to review right now (laughs) um but we do have a blog that went up on tuesday and that blog post uh was called make it happen so in the blog talked about an experience that i had or just experiences that i had growing up with my parents and my family dynamic and the expectation that was in my household and I'm a I want you to speak on this too Dr. Poole because I know we grew up differently but we kind of grew up the same too mm-hmm. and that there was an expectation you know by our families mm-hmm. so basically in the, in the blog post I just kind of talked about how I was expected as you know a child and as an adolescent to get it done to make it happen it wasn't really a lot of room for excuses as to why I couldn't do something, but because my parents knew that I was very much so capable, um, they wouldn't really accept those excuses. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't even give them to them because I knew, like, they'd be like, "Okay, girl, like, come on, like, you, you have the capability to do whatever you need to do." So I, I attribute that to any success that I've experienced thus far throughout my life is just that that motto of making it happen. And one thing that I pointed out, and I think we're gonna talk about this in later blog post and later episodes is that we have to do what we have to do but we have to do it on our own timeline like we can't compare ourselves to what anybody else is doing or we need to make it happen on our own timeline mm-hmm. i think that's key because i feel like if you're following somebody else's timeline you'll burn yourself out every time because it's not for you and i feel like the path that we've been given in this life I feel like it's our path, and we have to follow our path. Um, But I think we have to make it happen on our path because I feel like nothing is going to be given to us as people. I feel like we do have to work for things. And 
things are not going to be easy, or at least that's my experience. Nothing that I've gotten has been easy, even with the background that I've had or who my parents are, what they've done for us. Like, it still wasn't easy to get. I still had to put in work, and I still had to make it happen. Um, And I know I talked about in the blog that... You know, that's kind of how Ebony's and the Ivories was birthed is because we knew we had to do something or we were just going to be disgruntled about the situation, yeah. about women of color not having correct representation in higher ed, in life in general. Yeah. Um, so in this field, you know, that we in, at least we can try to make an impact in the mental health field, in the higher education field as much as we can. Um, and to do that, we had to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were in school, we would, like, let me tell y'all, we would complain, like, don't think that, like, we would just, like, oh, we just wanted, we just did a whole degree in, like, one year. <laughs> no. We would, no. there would be times where, like, Lakeitha would cry one day, mm-hmm. she'd be like, girl, I broke down today, I'd be like, girl, I did yesterday. Or, like, we would sit there and we would just be like, why are we doing this? Like, we would be complaining, like, don't get me wrong, y'all, like, it was not like roses, but we would sit there and be like, we're about to quit. And then we'd be like, well, I mean, we ain't, we've come this far. Like, we can't quit now. We should have been quit if we were going to quit. So um, it's not easy at all in anything. Nothing nothing happening is, is, is easy. It's just nothing nothing worth happening is easy. But I feel like we, I think both have, I guess, stayed true to their philosophy of, of making it happen. Mm-hmm. Um and then at the end of the vlog, we just encouraged, you know, all our readers and our listeners even today is that is there something that's like pressing on your heart or pressing on your spirit that you feel like you need to make happen. And it is not necessarily anything to do with education. It may be like if you know you need to, you know, pursue and research a doctoral program or a graduate program and, you know, that's something that you've been wanting to do, um, I want to say this, that time is going to pass by anyway. So whether you fill out the application or not, the time is still going to pass. So if you want to use your time in the way um, that's most efficient, if that's your dream, if that's your goal, go ahead and get it done. Um, Or even like just things like I I mentioned, like a vacation. Like if you know you have this like bucket list vacation, um, like my mom's on her bucket list vacation now. She's been talking about it for 25 years. She did it. You know, she's there now. She's in Ireland, Scotland, and um, in England. So if there's something that you need to pull, I guess, the trigger on, we just encourage you to make it happen. But I want to hear from you, um, Dr. Poole, on kind of your make it happen philosophy or how that has played into your success. Yeah, I definitely think there's something about being a woman being a woman of color and then for me being a black woman where the make it happen is not just like you know a phrase it's it's a lifestyle like all the time like 24 7 kind of and I think being able to grow up for me in a household where there was expectations around education but also just about being able to do and accomplish whatever you want so Even, you know, even us thinking, maybe being as bold as we are to say, let's start an initiative around women of color pursuing PhDs and it's going to be great. And we're going to have all these people that, you know, love it is internalized somehow uh, or maybe externalized, I should say, somehow by the fact that we instantly believe that it is necessary and that we were able to do it. 
Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And we just did it. You know, we just started and we were like, people who love it will love it, you know, and people who maybe don't get it will win them over too later, you know. And so um, it's that type of attitude that I do think you kind of have to have because as far as we've come and as many strides as we've made and as many great examples of women that we have now um, who have positions of power and who've paved the way for us, we still got a long ways to go. And so being able to have that sort of, you know, I don't care what comes my way type of attitude, I got this, you know, I'm gonna make it happen is almost necessary. So I just think I've had that from a very young age and I think it's a combination of who your parents are and who they raise you to be and the experiences that you've had that maybe test that make it happen attitude to see if you really mean what you say if you say you're a go-getter you say you're you know have a a a goal or or something in mind to be able to make sure that you really go for it I think you kind of have to have that so I I agree with you I think you know the circumstances surrounding how you get that attitude can vary but having it right. makes the difference, you know. And I, yeah, yeah. So. I like what you said about the circumstances, Baron, because you might not have, um, you know, a family dynamic that mm-hmm. pushes you towards that, but that doesn't exclude you from that conversation. And you know, being able to survive whatever kind of sometimes can cultivate that, make it happen. And despite how I grew up or what I've been through, exactly, you know, I've always been able to, you know, push through and just do it and failure not being an option um Mm -hmm. so yeah despite whatever circumstances that you face i think that we all have to i guess have to have a make it happen attitude Mm -hmm. to experience any sort of success unless we're like super privileged which i don't know anybody who is but uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, not personally i don't know anybody yeah but um this you know outside of that um, I think a make it happen attitude is is necessary on a small or large scale, yeah. um, in in different arenas. So I make it happen, people. Make it we'll happen. Continue to do it and do our best um, to make it happen, and I know that you all will as well. Yes. So I think now we're ready, right, to head into, and that's probably why I'm like jumping all over you because I'm excited about this next part. Um, (laughs) and that's our Ebony's in the spotlight and so um, like Dr. Bell said earlier in describing it this is just a time that we plan to take every um, episode to acknowledge highlight, honor shout out, celebrate whatever other fun word you can think of um, women who are just doing their thing and and there is no accomplishment that is too small and so I hope that any of you who are listening and you haven't submitted something yet that you will so that you can get your shout out not only on the podcast but on our social media page and you know share that with your family and friends to know you have a whole village of women um who are who are supporting you and rooting for you right absolutely so this week for Ebony's in the spotlight we have some special um, people that we want to shout out. First off, we have Nikki Godfrey, um, who graduated from LSU, Louisiana State University, University very recently. Um, she got her PhD in educational leadership, leadership and research. Why can I not speak today? Um, with a specialization in higher education administration. 
Um, which is the same degree that I have. So shout out to Nikki because Nikki I understand G. Nikki Godfrey how difficult that is. Um, so we just want to congratulate you that you made it to the promised land from the valley to the mountaintop. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, Nikki, and um, we wish you the best of luck in your endeavors. Um, we also want to take time to shout out in this person we actually this is our first Ebony's in the Spotlight on our um, Instagram page um, is my dear friend Tawabich Nagatu um, she received a PhD in, pop, in public policy from Southern University um, I was able to live stream it it was beautiful um, <laughs> shout out her dissertation topic I don't I can't even like it was the most like insane topic I've ever seen ever it's on our, our um instagram page you can go read it because i can't even pronounce half those words um but shout out to t because i know she worked so very hard and she's going to be a world changer she is a global citizen um and she has traveled everywhere and she is passionate about eradicating hunger um worldwide so That's awesome. shout out to t um doing big things do it go jags um, yeah, go Jags. Go Southern. <laughs> um, and next we have Janelle Jones, who we met Janelle last year um, when we did our seat at the table presentation mm-hmm. or roundtable discussion at NBCC's Bridging the Gap Symposium last year. And she actually came um, to our TED Talk style discussion this um, this year. And I, I also was able to attend Janelle's um, her presentation at NBC's Bridging the Gap Symposium. Um, she has been admitted into the University of Alabama, and we already ragged on her. Yeah, um, I'm not going to say what their motto is. I just can't. Right. We already <laughs> ragged on Janelle um, because clearly Keith works at LSU, and I am a proud alumni. She is too. I am too. Uh, <laughs> she is too. Of LSU, um, and you know we cannot stand Bama. Um, so, but we are proud of you, Janelle. We love you, Janelle. Um, Congratulations. You. <laughs> congrats. You know that school you go to, girl. I don't know, but congratulations because we know that you are going to make waves in that place, um, and that you will be a force to be reckoned with. I know this. Um, they got a headache on their hands like you're gonna get into some good trouble like um <laughs> representative john lewis says get in that good trouble mm-hmm, Janelle. Mm-hmm. um and hopefully we can get janelle on our podcast so she can let us know how her first semester of her doctoral program has gone i'm sure she'll have a lot to say yes. um and then lastly we have portia henderson um and she has come just completed her coursework in LSU School of Social Work program. So we want to send a big Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers to Portia. Um, I remember the day that I completed my coursework and maybe you couldn't tell me nothing. Like you <laughs> couldn't tell me nothing. Like I'm pretty sure I celebrated. I looked a mess, um, but I still celebrated um, nonetheless, and <laughs> I took like a week, maybe 
that a week, like some days break, mm-hmm. um, and just gave myself um, some mental reprieve. So, Portia, I hope that you know you're probably writing actually, or getting ready to start writing, doing a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, many blessings to you, yes, my love, because that yeah, um, probably getting ready to defend generals and all of that are working right those at least um so we we hope that you took a break we hope that you weren't on a vacation or something mm-hmm. we hope that you took a mental reprieve um because yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get real portion but we are rooting you on if you need anything Lakeith and I are here for you um and we wish you the best and we just you know we praying for you, girl. You got it, though. You got this. You got it. And go Tigers again. Um, <laughs> so I think that kind of wraps up my section. I, I think we're going to do a break. Yeah, we'll take a quick break. We're do a break. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, and then we will see you lovely Ebony's after we come back. Ebony's, we are back. So we just wanted, before we wrap up the show, just for those of you who still have not bought into the wonderfulness of what Ebony's in the Ivory is, um, we need you to understand a little bit maybe more about how this got started and just some of the background kind of on what we specifically talked about during our NBCC symposium presentation, which is really where we decided to launch um, Ebony's in the Ivory and I'm so glad we did because it was an amazing right. experience the women who attended were wonderful so I hope wonderful. all I hope all of you are listening right now you know to know that we appreciated you guys so much for coming and thank you so so much for your contribution and your questions to the discussion because it was amazing so um, yeah, and what, we had a really good turnout too yeah we so, did shout we, out to you ladies for showing up for sure we had to do our presentation three times and so specifically for group three y'all got you know i don't know what form of us but some form (laughs) and you all still seem to leave with so much joy and energy around what we talked about and we we just appreciate all you guys so thank you guys again for attending so our topic for that particular presentation so um this year's nbcc symposium was centered around the theme of trauma and trauma-specific care and interventions. And so we decided, based on our experiences, based on what we knew we had cooking up with Ebony's and Ivory, to do a presentation about trauma-specific interventions for black women in the doctoral process. So a lot of what usually happens is women experience um, a ton of, I don't even want to use the word crazy, but sometimes it's crazy, wild experiences during right. the doctoral process, and they really don't have a way to cope or even understand what their resources might be, if there are any available, because obviously that looks different for maybe a woman at an HBCU versus a PWI, and that doesn't mean that one experience is worse or better than another, but they're different, and so being able to just kind of talk 
about that out loud. So we basically did sort of a part two to our seat at the table presentation from the 2017 symposium and talked to them about how Ebony's and Ivory was just kind of birthed out of those experiences. So for those folks who don't know, and I think we said this on um, our episode that we did on the Emerald Couch, black women right now in particular are the most educated group in the U.S. And so we, shout out to us, have been able to, you know, accomplish something that no group right now domestically has been able to do. So between the years of 2009 and 10, black women earned 68% of associate degrees, 66% of bachelor's degrees, 71% of master's degrees, and 65% of all doctoral degrees awarded to black students. So that's pretty amazing. Um, we're doing it. And so we know for sure that other women of color are right there behind us doing the same thing as well and definitely representing. And so we're excited about that. So one of the things that we noticed, and we talked about this a little bit earlier on today's show, when we first sort of introduced what Ebony's and the Ivory is through our mission, there's just a lot of, there's a, there's not a lot of research on African-American women pursuing the advanced degree. And so because of that, there's a number of issues that come up and these women have nowhere to go. And so recognizing that if these challenges come up for folks, if you don't have a place to go, you don't have a resource, oftentimes you may not finish that doctoral process or you may be impacted in other ways through your mental and emotional health and well-being. And so, of course, the things that we know and any of you all who are in the doctoral process now can probably relate to this, but these challenges often look like, you know, a lack of information that somehow your peers who maybe don't look like you have access to and you don't. Or sometimes it's direct forms of racial and gender-based bias. So in our session, we talked about different forms of microaggressions that happen and how they come up and how that sort of experience can definitely be taxing emotionally. And so of course, as these sort of things start to happen, while we've talked today too about this make it happen attitude, that sometimes pushes us to a level of competitiveness that still affects our overall well-being. And that's where we start to see some of that longer lasting trauma come. And so our goal was just to leave those women who came that day with just some basic recommendations around what we did, but also what we have seen work through other people's experiences in our lives, but also through the limited research that is out there. And so, of course, I mean, I think probably the number one thing is that, you know, there definitely has to be more diversity among upper level administrators in higher education so that we have more professors, more deans, more chief diversity officers at our universities who represent us so that policies and procedures around our needs can change. And so being able to then also recognize these women serve as role models for other women of color um, through the roles that they have. So I think in, in that same vein, being able to think about if you are a woman of color and you choose not to serve in that role of a role model, I think you got to kind of ask yourself, what's that really about? Because at the end of the right. day, more than likely somebody opened that door for you or at least held it open while they walk through. And so just making sure that sometimes we don't get in our own way by not looking out for, you know, other women because maybe 
they don't have that same approach to their degree or to their experience or to their career development that we have. It's not really about that because each of us have our own journey. And so just making sure that we do our due diligence to serve as advisors, as mentors, and and then obviously as we go further into our careers to seek opportunities for leadership roles as well so that we can change the landscape of higher ed. And then I think, of course, making sure then that you tap into other forms of support that maybe your campus environment offers. So, you know, making sure that you're aware of your university's policies around bias incidents and um, what systems are in place to be able to report those. A lot of times, again, because we have sort of that strong female spirit, we feel like, oh, I just need to toughen up and, and get through this. But some incidents of bias, well, not some incidents, all incidents of bias are wrong, but some incidents definitely deserve to be put out there so that they don't happen to other people. And being able to make sure that you know what the process is like to report those is is really important. Being intentional about professional development opportunities, so making sure that you're you know, taking the, the opportunity to present, to consult, to be able to network, those are very, very important. Making sure that as you are writing, whether it's your papers for a class or if you get to be a part of other opportunities that are outside of academia, to always make sure that you do your due diligence to add information about social justice or racial injustice that might be happening within higher ed so that that awareness continues to be out there and and don't be afraid to use those words in the things that you're writing, including your dissertation. Uh, We both did. We both chose to specifically write about experiences of certain groups of color and gender, you know, to be able to make sure that we gave a voice um, to those to those populations. So definitely make and sure. Me, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Cause no, no, no. Go let ahead. Me interject on that point because I know, like I like you've already stated, um, just like the research, the representation and research is very important. I know that one of our attendees at the NBCC's Bridging the Gap Symposium emailed us later and was saying, you know, I can't really find this information on, you know, I'm doing the literature review, I'm in the process of collecting literature, and I can't really find what I need. There just isn't anything available. And, you know, I responded saying, you know, that's, that's pretty much why we're doing this is because there really isn't any literature available. And we not only need black women to or women of color to get PhDs so that we can do this research, but also serve in roles that can be that data can be collected from. Yeah. So if we're looking for, you know, um, research on the experiences of women of color in um, academia or at certain institutions, but there are none, then where are we going to get the data from? Exactly. So serving as not only someone who can participate in a study, but also who can do the research for the study. So, I mean, that's, that's I think, is a, is a very important part of, you know, why we're driving this is because that's, that is kind of what initially prompted it, prompted us is because the information isn't there, the research isn't there, um, the degrees are there, mm-hmm. the capability is there clearly from st- statistics-wise, but the opportunity may not necessarily be there and the representation is not there. So, you know, that's what we definitely want to push in Ebony's and Ivory. I agree. So definitely, you know, make sure that 
you consider some of these recommendations as you go through your process or if you you know are on the other end of the process and you're done and you're in that sort of job hunting stage as well these same recommendations really apply being able to really make sure you consider these in your job search process as well as um, the opportunities that you do get to put yourself out there in front of an audience to just bring light and awareness to what is happening among women of color so make sure you seek support utilize resources definitely know that we are one of those resources and that's what we hope to continue to be as we take this journey together with all of you who are listening yes we are breaking down barriers so we want to first of all thank you all um for tuning in to our first podcast um we hope that you enjoyed it and we you know definitely hope that you will continue to again take this journey with us be on the lookout for our next podcast and our next blog like we stated earlier our initiative of eiti tuesdays Ebony's and the Ivory Tuesdays is something that we really want to push. We're going to be releasing new content in various forms on Tuesdays. So again, make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts, to our website. Make sure that you go in and fill out that submission form and also the submission forms for Ebony's in the Spotlight because we want to make sure that we are acknowledging the great work that women of color are, are doing nationwide and even globally. And then we you know, just again, want to thank you for tuning in and hope that you tune in next week. Dr. Poole, do you have anything else you want to say? Nope. I think you covered it. We appreciate you all so, so much. We're excited about starting this journey with all of you and we hope that y'all are in for a fun ride because we're super excited about this. And so we're going to keep rocking and rolling. Yeah. And one thing I like that you said at the Bridge and the Gap Symposium is that this is not just like us talking or us doing stuff like this we want this to be a joint venture mm-hmm. like we want to hear y'all's voices that's the point is that our voices haven't been heard so we want to create a space for women of color's voices to be heard so please if you have any ideas you know anything that you want to see any culture corner topic that you want to discuss please reach out to us on any of our platforms and we will definitely make sure that we're listening to you all we have had some inquiries about the podcast, so even like participating, if you have a podcast idea or anything like that, um, please reach out to us and let us know because this isn't just for Dr. Poole and I. This is for all women of color who are thinking about, have graduated from a doctoral process or in graduate school or whatever that looks like. We want to make sure that you know we're being inclusive of everybody's voice. So please make sure that you engage with us. And I guess we'll see y'all next week. Thank y'all. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Ebony's in the Ivory.